I got a message tonight, and it's for the givers. Amen. If you're not a giver, I pray that something pricks your heart before we leave and you understand the importance of being a giver. And if you are a giver, I'm fixing to give you some peace and hope in this place. Amen. I've said it many times before, but when you study the Bible, one of the most important things is you need to know who, what, when, and where, and why the Scripture's being written, who it's written to, and what the purpose of it is. You need to, that's why it's called study. And sometimes I love to turn on my app and let it read to me, but you know, sometimes you got to hit pause and say, hang on. What was he saying? Back up and start reading it again. And did I understand that? Man, when you study the Word of God, you need to know, is it telling me to do something? Is it telling me not to do something? Is the Scripture trying to warn me of something? Is it trying to encourage me about something? And so when you study scripture, one of the the most important words that I could think of today while I was typing this out is context. Everybody say context. If you don't know the context of the scripture, you're not going to get much out of what it's trying to tell you. Context is simply the facts or the circumstances that surround a situation or event. I mean, you got to know the context of what the scripture's saying to know how does this apply to my life? Is this guy doing something I don't need to be doing? Or is this guy doing something that I need to implement into my life? Amen. you got to be open-minded when you read the Word of God and you study the Word of God. And if you think listening to me two or three times a week is going to make you a theologian, you're mixed up. I'm just going to hit a few spots here and there from time to time and really just push you to pray. But when you, as an individual, get the Word of God out and you begin to open it and say, I want to know what this book says and What it wants me to do, I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost will begin to open your understanding. You may have read it prior to the Holy Ghost, and it not made much sense. But when you get the Holy Ghost, the Bible said it will lead you into all truths. Amen. Things that you never saw before all of a sudden will begin to click. Amen. You say, where was that at? My whole life. Amen. So you have to learn, everybody say context. If you don't learn context and you take everything as absolute, it's speaking to me absolute, the Bible's going to confuse you, it's going to upset you, it's going to disappoint you. When you read the Bible, you need to put on your thinking cap. Amen. There's been more confusion and more doctrines come out of people that didn't know what they were reading. Well, hallelujah. It's where a lot of false doctrine comes from is the devil knows when people don't study the word of God. 
I think that might just preach a little while. You know where the serpent seed doctrine came from? Came from somebody that didn't know their Bible very well. Amen. Scripture's got to match Scripture. Scripture has to interpret Scripture. That's why you can't take one Scripture and pull it out and say, well, this is my salvation, this is my this, this is my that, and I'm just going to hold on to this. You need to make sure what you read matches what the other writers wrote. Amen. We're reading, well, I feel like... We're reading a manuscript that is thousands of years old. And in 1611, when the King James writers began to take the Old Testament from Hebrew and put it into English and took the New Testament from Greek and put it into English, them were old languages 400 years ago. And so when you read it, you're reading almost another language. Old English has got its own know what you'd call them but got a lot of good stuff in it so you kind of got to learn how to read so I've got an example of why you can't just literally apply every written word to you just like it means the Bible said from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned, talking about Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Amen. If you took every word literally and not knowing the context, and you would think that uh, Simon Peter was the devil. Praise God. Is this all right? Amen. And if you believe that the word of God literally said everything to you exactly what it said without knowing context, you would think, well, I must be a devil too. <laughs> I'm a disciple of Jesus, so I must be that too. But if you take scripture and you began to reason within yourself, why would Jesus say that? Let me tell you what he was saying. If you're not on board with the will of God, Come on, you got to use some comprehension when you study the Word of God. What does Jesus say? He didn't mean Simon Peter was Satan because he already had the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The devil don't have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. But when you began to uh, interpret it with context, you realize Jesus is speaking. When you go against my will, you're working, you're acting like the devil. When you go against what I'm doing in this land, you're acting like the devil. Amen. Thank you. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So when you study, you need to, you, you, you need to figure out who it's being said to and what the purpose of it was. Jesus didn't like somebody messing up the will of God. 
He didn't want his own people going against the will of God. Amen. So we need to learn context. And then we need to learn application. Everybody say application. How does this scripture apply to my life? Hallelujah. Praise God. And so we read the scripture. I'm going to read it again. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. I've seen people take this scripture and put it on a Facebook post. And and they'll say, send this to 15 people. God's going to bless you and you're going to. Amen, you're going to find a pot of gold when you walk out of your house as long as you send it to people. And people don't understand the who, what, when, where, what the, the scripture's talking about. Amen, not understanding the context. Amen, just believe that God is going to pay that electric bill. Praise God. Amen, that's what they say. Yeah. Maybe y'all haven't seen some of the posts I've seen. Share this with 15 people and your electric bill is going to get paid today. Just because God is God and he wants everybody's electric bill to be paid. Well, hallelujah. Amen. You're going to get upset with the word of God if you don't learn how to apply the word of God like it's supposed to be applied to your life. So let's talk about some context. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi and he's thanking them for their burden for the kingdom of God. Praise God. Amen. When you're the preacher on the road and somebody's helping pay your bills and nobody else is, them people are pretty special to you. Amen. And so he's writing this letter to the Philippians and he says, "Uh, you're the ones that's got the burden for the kingdom of God. He said there wasn't one other church, if you'll just allow me to paraphrase. There wasn't one other church uh, that communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Paul saying the other churches wanted to talk about, uh, you know, all, all the stuff that went on in the building. And how to do this and how to do that, but none of them wanted to talk about giving. Well, it sure is quiet in here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, you're the only church, Philippi, who when I'm on these missionary journeys and I'm preaching the gospel and I'm starting churches, nobody else cared about me, I guess. But you're the only one that was sending. You was the only giver. And he was saying, you're the ones that are kingdom-minded. You're the ones that gave. You are the Givers. Everybody say the givers. He was writing a letter to people who were givers. Praise God. Well, this is good preaching. Or whatever it is. Amen. Amen. I'm surprised he didn't say don't show this letter to anybody else. But he didn't. He said, I'm preaching the gospel, I'm doing all this stuff, and y'all are the only people that are concerned enough to talk about sending me some grocery money. He said, you're the giver, so let's read the scripture. But my God shall supply all 
your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen, I'm not an English major, but I, I know a little bit of English. Amen, and I know how to Google stuff too. Google says your is the possessive form of the pronoun you. Everybody say the possessive form. It means you got something. Or you about to get something. This means that the word your is always followed by a noun which belongs to or is associated with you. When he said your need, it was the need of a certain group of people. Boy, I feel like preaching. Amen. When you understand what the Apostle Paul was writing about and who he was writing to and why he was writing it, he was writing it to some people who got connected up with the kingdom of God with their own pocketbook. They didn't just say, Paul, we're going to pray for you, uh, that God will help you out. Uh, but they got connected up. Come on. Come on, I'm going to preach to the church tonight. I'm going to help somebody. Uh, hallelujah. When he was saying your need, it was a certain group of people. And then read it for yourself when you get home or whenever. Amen. But he's saying, you're the giver. From the beginning of this ministry, you are the ones that were given to me. And then he says, God's going to supply all your need. Who is the your? He's talking about the givers. I come to preach to some givers in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Everybody say the givers. Amen. Anybody can read this Bible and anybody can take scripture and anybody can say, well, that's my promise, but you got to know. You got to know who it was written to. Amen. Somebody said, well, I don't think, you know, I don't interpret things like that. I believe God is no respecter of persons. And I believe that also. But you know what the scripture no respecter of persons means? It means you get the same opportunity that she gets. You get the same opportunity he gets. Amen. That means God will allow anybody to be blessed. God will allow anybody. I feel Jesus backing me up in this house right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. No respecter of persons is not a license to do nothing. Uh, no respecter of persons is not a license uh, to sit on your haunches uh, and do nothing uh, and think you're going to get an anointing like somebody else. Uh, it's not a license uh, to do nothing in the kingdom of God and think you're going to get blessed like everybody else. Come on, let's love the Lord together. Amen. The Bible said it rains on the just and the unjust. Amen. The sun comes up and sets on the just and the unjust. Amen. You know what that means? God's going to do his part for your harvest. 
But don't tell me the harvest is going to be the same if one of them sitting doing nothing. If one of them never goes to a prayer meeting. If one of them never gets a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost. One of them, one of them never puts a nickel in the offering plate. If you think they're going to have the same results. Amen. You don't understand the word of God. God is no respecter of persons. But he wants you to sow the seed. He wants you to disc up the fallow ground. He wants you to do your part. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So if you are a giver, everybody say a giver. Amen, whether you're in the church in Philippi 2,000 years ago, or you're sitting in Calvary tonight. Amen. If you're a giver, you got a promise that goes with that. Might get quiet. It don't really matter though. I said it don't matter if you was back then or right now. If you are a giver, you've got a promise connected to that giving. We're not just giving because, uh, amen, somebody told us to. Uh, we're not just giving based upon some prosperity. Preacher said you're going to get 30-fold, 90-fold. Amen. I, I, I believe in some of that. I've seen some of that. Amen. But at the end of the day, amen, it don't matter what the fold is. As long as God supplies all the need. Uh, amen. I, I, I don't need the favor of the government. Amen. I don't need the favor of organizational church. Uh, amen. God don't have to have anybody to do what he wants to do in this kingdom. Uh, but he uses people. Uh, amen. He uses people as a conduit. Uh, Hey, will, I, will you allow me to put the blessing through you uh, to bless the kingdom of God? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey, I've got a promise for the givers. I've got a... Does anybody ever worry about stuff? You ain't got a amen. Does anybody ever worry about things? I wonder what would happen if... Something happened and I didn't have a job for a week. What would happen if I got injured and I couldn't go to work? What would happen if they come up with a technology that would make what I do obsolete? What would happen if somebody a whole lot better than me got in the business? What would happen if somebody decided they didn't like me? You don't have to worry about any of that. I got a promise for you. Just be a Bible giver. If you'll just be a Bible giver, I got a promise. God's going to take care of it all. God will make sure it's all taken care of. I once was young, and now I'm old, and yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken. Come on, let's love him together right now. Hallelujah. Why? Why would, why would a scripture like this need to be in the Bible? God 
will supply all your needs. Why would this scripture be addressed to the church where they were already givers? I was praying today and this is what the Lord began to deal with me about. Amen. The people that don't give, amen, it doesn't matter anyway. Because they're keeping all theirs. But to the giver, it's the enemy will tell you if you take ten and you take away one, you have less than what you had. If somebody's keeping their whole ten, it don't matter anyway. The devil ain't got to lie to you at all because you're already a thief. But to the giver that's looking at his budget and saying, I don't know how this is going to work. I know I need to give. I don't think the devil wants me to preach this. I'm going to get closer down here. To the one that figures out the budget first and decides whether they're going to give. The devil don't have to lie to them. But the ones that are already committed Bible givers, the devil will say, you ain't going to have enough money to do all you need to. Don't you know gas has gone up? Don't you know that that groceries have gone up? I, I hope you know I'm trying to help you. You know what? I would rest a whole lot easier at night if I knew all your needs We're going to be met according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Why would God put this in the scripture? So you'll have something to tell the devil. When he says, uh, you're not going to be able to pay the rent. You're not going to be able to make that payment. You're not going to be able to buy gas. God gave you a scripture. I'm a Bible giver. I'm like the church at Philippi. Hey, I've been a giver since the day I started the church. Hey, man, I didn't have nothing when I got there. When he started giving me, why would I not get back? Hey, man, I came with nothing. Hallelujah. Man, it's it's the war of the mind that the devil will try to convince people. Amen. You can't you can't do that. You're, you're gonna go broke. Can I can I preach to this church? If you don't give, you're going to go broke. If you if you rob God, he said, How will a, a man rob God? This is how he robs God. He said in your tithes and your offerings. Some people think they're righteous when they just pay a little tithe. Amen. Because it's, it's told how much you got to give. And tithe. It's 10%. But when it comes down to the offering, that's from your heart. See, you really hadn't even started giving until you give an offering. Because he said the first fruits are mine. What he's saying is that 10% belongs to God. And if you take it and you go to Longhorn Steakhouse, 
Hallelujah. I know know what the devil tells people. Yeah, he's just preaching because he wants more money to come into the... God's going to give to us. If he's got to have a prisoner send me money, he'll send money to this church. If he's got to have a person in the world pay off that new building, he'll pay off that new building. Amen. But why would we let the world steal our blessing? Can I just... Praise God. Boy, I just... Boy, I'm on something right now. I've always been a giver. I've always been a deal maker. I make deals in the world. I make deals when I come to the altar. I told God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll give. You know, I figured out when I would give like I felt like I needed to, God always opened up the windows of heaven. I had a piece of land I couldn't make the payment on. It was $9,000 every quarter. Amen. It was my mama's best friend from high school, Freddie Campbell, that loaned me the money. And I thought, I can't embarrass my mama. Oh, Lord. But I can't make this payment. Somehow I made the payment two or three quarters. I don't even know how I did it. I tried to sell it every way I turned. And one day I was in church and I thought, I'm about to go bankrupt. This is retarded. What is going on? I'm a child of the king. You know what I did? I said, you know what, God? If you'll sell that land for me, I'll give you 25% of whatever it brings. Now, you may, a carnal person would say, well, you ain't got to give 20. You ain't got it. You ain't got to do nothing. You can give it back to the bank. I thought, it, how would I keep more money? 75% of what God could sell it for or 10% of zero when the bank takes it back? I said, God, if you'll sell it, I'll give you 25%. All of a sudden, God put a hook in somebody's jaw. He was a millionaire. Drug him to the table. They said, hang on, hang on. I want y'all to hear it. Signed a bunch of paperwork. They slid a check across the table. Mr. Motes, here's your $214,000. Go home, put it in the bank. Had to clear first. <laughs> Pastor Holmes, here's your 53000 whatever it was. He goes, what on earth? I made a deal with God. You know what? I've been making deals with God. Y'all know land is so expensive around here. It's 15,000, 20,000 an acre. It's crazy. 25,000 an acre. Praise God. Hallelujah. I thought, God, I, don't, I, I would like some land. And, you know, I'm, I've just always been a builder and I just like to, I like the smell of two by fours. <laughs> so I, this is how I grew up. I mean, I'm, 
I'd like to build a house every now and then or something, but I, there ain't no way. I, I mean, that's 20,000, 25,000 an acre. Amen. My big brother called me the other day, Sonny. He said, man, I found a bunch of land, and there ain't no more. He said, if any more opens it up, I'm going to buy it too. He said, I only want a few acres, and, or I don't know how many he wants. He may change it for Y'all pray for him. <laughs> well, how much is it, Sonny? He said, well, I can lock it up today for 6,000 an acre. I said, lock it up. <laughs> Amen. Do you need more land? Do you? Brand new black top road right in front of it. City water at the next hill just run a little bit. Just a little bit out in the country like everybody wants. I've, uh, I mean, I wanted it. But I don't really have to have it. But I'm a giver too. Praise God. I thought I could build five houses and I could pay the whole church off. I was thinking about that before he ever come to me. Hey, do, do you think God knows where every deal is? I, I, I hope you're going to help me. Do you think God knows where every good deal is? But I feel like making a liar out of the devil right now. I'm just... Hey man, I never went to Bible college. I just learned God by faith is what I learned. I just believe God can do anything. I believe God knows where every person in this city is that wants an alarm system. I believe God knows where they live. And I believe all we got to do is get God's favor. I come to build somebody's faith. But it's the stinginess that shuts off the blessings of God. I really don't even know why I'm preaching to y'all. This is a given church. But God laid it on my heart. Maybe it's somebody back here on the internet. <laughs> Praise God. Helen. You know what I want? I want you blessed. I... Praise God. Is this all right? I got a promise for you. Amen. If you'll quit pinching God, trying to put God on a budget. Amen. And I know, I know what the book said, but I was like, you know, it cracked me up like sometimes when I look at the books and stuff, there'd be like the ties, $124 and 26 cents. <laughs> Where did that 26 cents come from? I thought, praise God. I'm sorry. Amen. Praise God. Let me know if it's that big a deal. We'll give that 26 cents back. <laughs> Amen. Y'all, there's nothing wrong with 26 cents. I'm just telling you. When you get your mind 
when the faith in your spirit gets right and believing God can do anything. Oh. Hey, I, I, I'm not preaching you some prosperity. I'm preaching you what I have lived my life. I'm preaching when I come to God, I did not have two nickels to rub together. These few dollars in here were more money than I had to my name. Lost, they come to my house, come took all my trucks, come took my weed eater, come took my lawnmower, took everything except my wife and my kids. You know, I said, okay, God, let's do it your way. Obviously, I am a total disaster at everything that I do. Let's do it your way. And God began to deal with me. I quit fighting my wife about giving all my money away. Because I didn't have no money to give away. Amen. Scrubbing toilets at the post office. Hallelujah. Scrubbing toilets at the post office. Do you think it'll work, Pastor? Oh, yeah. I think it'll work. Well, I just, you just get on God's plan. Got on God's plan three years later. I done moved up into maintenance. I don't know what level, what was he, seven or something? Went from a level two custodian to a three to a four to a five to a six to a seven. And then God helped me get another business going. I started making more money off the clock than I was on the clock. Gave away that 52000 a year job 15, 20 years ago because I was making too much money. Oh, it's kind of quiet here. I'll tell you how poor people stay poor is they're greedy. Well, I don't know how this is going to go over. Amen. I'm just preaching to the givers anyway. It's going to be all right, giver. Just keep on doing what you're doing. It may look like that business will never take off. Don't you let the enemy start messing with your mind and mess up your blessing. Amen. People get down on, on, on fixed income and they think, oh, well, there's no way. I mean, I'm telling you, there's no way you can do it with the 90. There's no way with a 100. But when God begins to. God says, bring me your two fishes and five loaves and let's just see what we can do. God begins to multiply. God begins to bless. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Hallelujah. I've just watched as people got on the plan. I've watched as their life just changed so drastically. I'm telling you, you can't listen to other people. Other people will tell you you're just meant to be poor. You're not smart. You're... You don't know anybody. Boy, I just... Let me tell you who you know. You know God. Amen. You know God. Hallelujah.
Praise God. Can I just testify? Amen. I come to this church. It wasn't very long. Brother Geek come to this church. and I don't know all of his past, but anyway, it was, uh, he was living in an old house in Mountain Pine that was about to fall down, mold all in it, kids getting sick. He was getting sick, driving old vehicles, and I just started talking to him about how you can do this deal. Amen. He was a giver, but he, he got the vision. He got the vision. Amen. And God took him from that uh, condition that it was in. Seen a nice house around the corner from the church. And it was, boy, it was high. It was like 60-something thousand. Amen. If you ain't ever paid 60,000 or something, that's a lot of money. He just couldn't see how it would ever work. And I told him, you'll go to that church and you'll pray every day. And you just keep on giving, and when God tells you to give more, just give more. I tell him when you get that tax refund, don't go, don't go buying Longhorn Steakhouse. You put it in the bank, divide it by 12, and add that to your house payment. It wasn't very long, he didn't have a problem with the house payment. God gave him a nice truck, nice clothes, nice cars, nice. Hey, God will pick you up and pull you out. God will give you a better standard of living. Uh, God will bless you. Uh, God. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It always bothered me when people thought that they were more righteous the more poor that they were. Amen. If you have to be poor to be righteous, bless God, just be poor. Amen. But I don't think that's how God intended it to be. God said, I want to bless you so people can see your good works. And God gets the glory. I know, I know all the thoughts the devil puts in people's mind. But can you just hear the sincerity in my spirit tonight? I want to see God pull you up from where you're at and let you eat the good of the land. Amen. When God prepared a place for those people of Israel, it was the best place around. The grapes were so big that it took two men tying around a big staff on two men's shoulders to carry one cluster of grapes. Amen. There was houses that were already built, vineyards already planted, wells already dug, and God had them. What do you have to do? Just do the plan. What do you got? You just got to keep doing what God said do. You can't grow weary in well-doing. Amen. If it don't happen today, just keep on doing right. You can't do right and end up wrong. If you do right, God will help you. Hallelujah. Somebody said, I... 
just don't know how small my income is. Let me tell you, if you can't figure it out with a small income, you'll never figure it out with a big one. I've seen single mothers with no other help make it and even save money. Well, I can, no, you can do it. You just got to get on, on God's side. Boy, it's getting tight in here. Maybe I need some more scriptures. Praise God. I got some more. Hang on. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me turn the page almost to the end. I'll give you hope. Luke 6 and 38. If you don't believe the words of Paul, let me give you the words of Jesus. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. Now, if you don't believe anything else, believe Jesus. Give and it shall be given unto you. Everybody say, good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Running over us. Shall men give unto your bosom? Hey, God owns it all. And he's looking for some givers. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. He said, you give to me. And I'll give back to you. But when he gives it back. Hallelujah. It's going to be good measure. Can you imagine? When he fills it up. Then he pushes it down. What happens when you press it down? Make room for more. When you press all you can press, then what do you do? Shake it a little bit. Try to get a little more room. And then he said, after I've shaken it, I'm going to keep pouring until it runs over. You know what the scary thing is? The Bible says, whatever measure you use is what he'll use. He said, if you sow sparingly, when it's harvest time, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, when it's time to reap, you're going to reap. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I like it when they slide those checks across the table. <laughs> I haven't had any of those in a while. I'd like to do that again. <laughs> Amen. That's a pretty good feeling. Especially when you know I had zero to do with it. Amen. I just made a deal with God. God, I'm your giver. Praise God. It's quiet in here. I was going to preach about all kinds of giving. Amen. But I'm out of time, I think. See, people's alarms are going off. Amen. You know, I, I don't even know who I'm preaching to. 
But I feel like I'm ministering in the spirit to somebody who's weary because it hasn't unfolded like you thought. And I've got a word. If you'll keep on giving, God will supply all your need. Who's, who's talking about? The giver. He didn't write that to the church at Thessalonica. And he didn't write it on Facebook. <laughs> to the people who never gave God anything. He wrote it to the people who had a burden in their spirit to see the kingdom of God go forward. I'm telling you, when you get a burden for the kingdom of God, you know what? I was going to preach about giving praise. Amen. Give him some worship. Amen. Give him of your time. But I ain't got time to preach on all that. I've never got out of your wallet so far. I'm still hung up in your wallet. Amen. I, I want God to give you the finer things in life. Uh, when the Pates came to this church, they were living in a storage building. Not a nice one like a Morgan, but a wood slat storage building behind a church in Glenwood, Arkansas. And there was cracks in between the wood. And there was holes in the floor. Praise God. And it wasn't very long till God opened up the windows of heaven. Got him a nice mobile home paid for. His own business. He was... Pushing that cart around the hospital, giving people their lunch and not hardly making nothing. A talented upholster. But he got the vision. I'm going to be a giver. Amen. If you can't start giving when you got $12 an hour. Amen. When somebody hands you $1,200 for reupholstering a chair, it'd be hard to give that $120. You know what? I say, God. Try me. <laughs> Try me, Lord. I'll do it. If nobody else wants it. <laughs> All day, every day, God, if you can't find any willing vessels, you can use anything, Lord. I can't sing. I can't play. But I can turn loose some money. I'm not connected to it. It's not connected to my heart. I know where it came from. And I know how fast it can disappear. So when God gives it to me. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Is this all right? Hallelujah. I'll tell you. Well, go ahead and stand up so I can quit telling you stuff. I'm really building your faith right now by letting you stand. I want to tell you something. Uh, 
It was several years ago the Lord dealt with me that there would be five millionaires in this church that I pastor. There may be five right now, but if they are, they're robbing God. You know what? I don't think God's word comes back void. You think about everything in the kingdom of God. All the world systems were set up by God. The exchange of currency. It's all set up by God. God uses money. To win souls, you know what it costs? It costs money. To build churches so you can win souls, you know what it costs? It costs money. To buy a search for truth, manuals. Cost money to keep the air going, the lights going, to have a microphone and sound speakers where you can hear. Cost money. Amen. And God knows it all. And it was His plan from the very beginning. He said, The first fruits are mine. Whether it was your son born in your house whether it was the fruits in the field whatever God said it's mine and he said if you'll do this I'll rebuke the devourer what is a devourer well I think I got a great perspective of it because I was born in the 70's and I was 11 years old when Pac-Man came out. The Atari. They don't even know what I'm talking about. And Pac-Man would go like this. Chomp, 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 I never read the Bible. The first time I read the Bible, when it said, I will rebuke the devourer. I thought, that's Pac-Man. <laughs> I got it. I don't need God giving me flat tires because I've robbed him of his first fruits. I need him to take what I've got left. After I give him what's his, I need him to bless what I've got left. Do you think you could get the favor of God on your finances if you just quit and just said, God, whatever's yours, I'm going to do it. I'm a living testimony that God is faithful. God will make a way out of no way. Let me tell you, if that Bible said He'll make rivers in the desert, said he'll make the crooked path straight don't you know he could fix people's finances I, my prayers are for this church I started to say well ago and I'm just going to quit but there's so much potential I'm telling snooze one more time there's so much potential 
in this church, God could do so many marvelous things. And all He needs is some willing vessels. Sure, you got to learn how to work hard. You got to have fair balances. I got so much to preach. Y'all feel sorry for me? Amen. A false balance is an abomination to God. You know what that means? When you tell somebody something, you do what you said. When you say, I'll do that for that, you do it. When you say, I'm going to do it by the hour, and when they ain't there, you go do whatever. It's a false balance. I'm not worried about the boss. I'm worried about the boss. It's the boss that's watching. He's the one that, well, that owns it all. This Bible says we're not working for man. We're working for God. Praise God. Lift your hands to the Lord together. In the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray faith would come up on this house right now. Come on, prayer warriors, help me pray. Come on, this somebody's faith is going to be built. Uh, come on, let God lift you up. Come on, let God end that trial. Uh, come on, we got a promise. Come on, giver. Come on, God's going to supply. God's going to supply. Hallelujah. Why don't everybody come join around the front? Come on, why don't you just cry out to God? Hallelujah. 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 Come on, Holy Ghost. Use me, God. Use me, God.